Welcome to this episode of Hangout with Sujata. Guest is Janet, and when I it's always a learning mode when I'm with her, and and most of the time I'm always resonating with her. So let's present Janet to you all. We shall start. Hi, everybody. My name is Jeanette, and I'm from South Florida, coming to you from the United States. And yes, I agree. Every time we seem to be in discussions, we just learn a lot about each other, don't we? The first song is Come On My House. I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my love, man, I ain't forgot to do it. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you figs and dates and grapes and cakes. Eh? Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you everything. you can walk into this house full of where you can just have all kinds of things you know it's like a giving house you go in and you receive so what's what's the song mean for you uh you know what that's i used to listen to that song when i was little my mom had these uh the large uh what are the large um albums the 33s i think they called they were really big and you had to have a special um phonograph to play them she had a very minimal record collection. And growing up, most of the parents, they would throw the kids out of the house so they could clean. And I just would go into my room and play my mom's records. And I used to love that song, just to listen to it. Hello? And just, I would go into my room and play this song, sing and dance to it. And that was pretty much my disposition. I was always upbeat and friendly and talking to people. And mind you, at this age, I was about maybe three going on four. Wow. And I would and I would go in and play these records and just sing and dance. It wasn't, and I would, I was very social. It was very common for me to go down the street, say hi to people, talk to them, 
one time at the end of the street was a restaurant and my mom used to tell me don't talk to strangers uh, one day I grabbed the monopoly money and I ran down the street because the man was delivering the soda pop to the restaurant and I said I have some money I have some money can I have a soda pop and he gave me a soda pop and I got in trouble for that because you know you're not supposed to talk to strangers but when you listen to a song like that it's hard not to be friendly it's hard yeah. not to be outgoing <laughs> it just that was just me and it's and I've always been like that always that's what it reminded me of that I mean if I was going to reminisce about just songs in general of what what I sang to what I, I used to love to sing and dance all the time I still do and and uh, that was one of the very first songs I remember I loved Rosemary Clooney I would follow her when she was in White Christmas I loved that movie just that song was just so upbeat i'm glad you liked it yes i liked it and uh, i have to ask you you paid for the soda pop with monopoly money that's not real money right that's correct it's not real money so did you still get your soda pop i did okay so I that was a kind guy who gave you the soda pop <laughs> that was the first lesson you you don't know unless you ask he was very he was yeah. laughing at me he was very you know, uh, he just looked at me and he said, well, what, what kind of soda pop do you want? And I got to pick it. Oh, okay. My mom had, yeah, my mom had to watch me. I was, I was very outgoing. Yes. <laughs> por tanto tiempo me deja solo mira nada más cuando me estaba ya acostumbrando te vas de pronto ya no sé de mí acaso piensas o te figuras que estoy pintado mira nada más Mira nada más, qué facilito me vas dejando, qué bonito. Mira 
nada más, mira nada más, qué facilito me vas dejando, pues esta, qué bonito. Again, a very upbeat music. Seems like, you know, another dance music, but it's Spanish, right? So what is the it, word? It, it, it is. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles County, California. That was a record my mom had. And I, I just played all her records. And that one, it had a picture of, of um, uh, Pedro Infante. He was the singer. And it was quite handsome. And I liked, I liked what I saw. <laughs> I was very young at that age. I was like three or four years old. But I, I wasn't yet in kindergarten. The, the lyrics, you know, meet another month, look no more. You know, after loving you for so long, now you leave me. When I was getting used to it, uh, you're leaving me all of a sudden. And I don't know about, about me anymore. Just, just go figure that. Here I am. I look really good. And you're leaving me. <laughs> Look no more. And that's the lyrics of the song. So it was very playful, very um, in a sense that you know he's. Uh, I always understood it. it. He was very vain, right? Look no more. Look what you're leaving. <laughs> Look how beautiful. Look how pretty I am. And you're leaving. <laughs> and that's how I interpreted it. And, and it was just a very. He was a very. Pedro Infante was a very. Um, well-known singer and he sang these beautiful Spanish love songs and that was very playful for me I wasn't very romantic at the time I was three or four years old so I was looking for that playful sense and I used to go around saying that meet another mouse meet another mouse my mom would just <laughs> laugh at me because I didn't grow up speaking Spanish I didn't learn it but I would listen to the Spanish music and I just would fall in love with it you could just tell by the flow of the song you know how beautiful it was and it just i there i was in my little room just playing my music and dancing and singing it was it was a great time to just um um i would go away and just you know my mom would put me in there while she cleaned <laughs> it was it, instead of throwing me outside like all the other kids they'd go outside and play <laughs> music has no barriers actually and it just takes uh, it just takes your heart and mind to you know resonate with the music you don't always have to know the words or the lyrics yes you know and it, and one of the things too is that growing up when i was little my mom i had an older brother and an older sister and they had a lot of behavior issues so my mom kept us apart because they, I would get the brunt of it. You know, they were, they were a lot older than I was. My brother was six years older. My brother was three years older. And so she kept us apart because she, she, if I, she found something that I loved, I could go in there and she could keep the other two away and she wouldn't have to worry about them picking on me or hitting on me. So I, I was happy with that. I was content with that. It was, it, I just loved her records. I love the music that she had, and I just spent time enjoying it. And she enjoyed me running around the house singing it as well. Wonderful. So we'll go to the next song, which is Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. 
There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as a elephant's high, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. All the cattle are standing like statues. All the cattle are standing like statues. They don't turn their heads as they see me ride by. But a little brown maverick is winking her eye. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. All the sounds of the earth are like music. All the sounds of the earth are like music. The breeze is so busy, it don't miss a tree. And oh, weeping willow is laughing at me. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Oh. significance of this song we had we had moved uh, my stepfather had moved us to arkansas which is quite a ways from california and i really wasn't adapting well in school one of the things that i did do well was uh loved my music from from all those years of uh playing my mom's albums this came from the soundtrack from Oklahoma, which was a, a musical on Broadway. And the teacher was getting ready to select songs for the spring show. And that song would come on and I would just belt it out to the whole class. <laughs> so it was my actually my first solo singing on a stage in front of everybody, in front of the whole school and all the parents. It was, uh, I sang that song and, and I remember it to this day. Wow. And I have, yes, I still have the picture. I, I have it posted somewhere on my social media. Maybe I'll post it on Instagram yes. and, and share it. Yeah, it was, that exactly. was my first solo. Yes. And, and uh, 
you know, through um, throughout, I just have this love of music. And so that's what came out. And I belted that song. I mean, I just would go out and just, I knew the lyrics already. She didn't have to teach me. And when she told me that I was going to sing that song, my mom was just so happy. I remember her just standing in the back, taking these pictures and uh, she just loved it. And she loved singing with me when I would sing these songs in the car, I would just start singing. So I love that song. It reminds me so much of that time when I just wasn't adjusting to a different state, different climate. But during that time, there was a lot of racial tension. Uh, they, they were having riots, you know, throughout, throughout the country. It was, it was qu quite, um, there was unrest, civic unrest. So to uh, move across the country into, into a state that had a lot of racial tension was very stressful. And that song kind of helped me just, you know, or singing helped me get through that. Yes. And uh, it seems like you grew up in several different regions. Um, just, we moved a lot, but we didn't, yeah. not necessarily different regions. I mean, I, I grew up in, I was born in Los Angeles County, California. We did move away for two years to Arkansas and I didn't move to Florida until I, you know, 2000. It was, it was quite a long time from that. Uh, you know, it was, it was a long time before that. So those three states are the ones that I settled in. Arkansas was just a two-year trip, two-year experience, and uh, I did learn a lot. It, it, you know, anytime you're exposed to different countries, different lands, different states in the United States, there's history to be learned. Okay. And the best, yes, and the best thing to do is learn it and appreciate it. Yeah, and then also to, you know, hold your ground or to grow in sometimes not very uh, sublime weather, rocky terrain, and you have to just find your spot, which I think you did, and music played a role in it. It did play a role in it, yes. Okay, so the next song is Stay Awake. Let's hear it. Stay awake, don't rest your head, don't lie down upon your bed while the moon drifts in the sky. Deep your 
I love Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins is also an all-time classic, I think. So what does it mean for you? So it is, you know, I was the type of child that you could not put to sleep. I, you know, I was one of those where I might miss something. If I close my eyes for a second, there just might be something that I missed. So I was always on the go. And when it came time to go to sleep, it was difficult. And that song would slow my brain so that I could just go to sleep. Even though it says stay awake, it was kind of the opposite. It was kind of a reverse psychology. And there I was, I, I just would, would just unknowingly meditate on that song and just go to sleep. And yes, I love Julie Andrews too. I played that record over and over. I think I wore it out. It just, it just didn't last. I, I would just sing it over and over again. There are many songs on that album from Mary Poppins. And that was the one that stood out because I just didn't want to go to sleep. I wanted to stay awake and see everything and not miss anything. <laughs> Yeah, but that song can, is a song which can actually make you sleep. It is a song which actually <laughs> would put you to sleep. Yes. Okay, so we go to the next song, which is just a second. California Dreaming.
I must say your playlist of so far what I've heard is very easy to listen and very enjoyable. You know, they're all, yes, all very... You just invite friends over to play some music and there's songs that either get you to dance and move around or just sit back and sing with and harmonize with you know it's 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 how you draw people in you know you just play those songs that one um i used to sing a lot when we lived in arkansas i did not like it and i would sing that thinking about moving back to california all the time when we lived in Arkansas, the weather was so tumultuous, uh, scary at times. Uh, and just thinking about my sunny California, that song I would sing constantly. And it would play on the radio a lot. So it didn't help that I would get homesick for California because they were always playing it on the radio. And uh, I, I just would sing to it. I would tell my mom, I just want to go back home. When are we going back? And it, it just it just reminded me of California as my home at the time and being that homesick. So the next song is Moon River.
that's a little different song. It is. I uh, loved Andy Williams. We moved back from Arkansas to California. He had a show and that was his theme song. And about that time, my mom and I would take these walks and I would look up at the sky and say, wow, the moon is so bright. And I know would start paying attention to the, the moon and the stars. And I would ask my mom questions. So the moon always fascinated. So I always tell people I have this relationship with the moon and sometimes he disappears and I'm not very happy when he does. I even wrote a poem about the moon. I wrote a little story about the moon. It was called the, the man in the moon appears at predictable times. You still have oh, that one? I, I do. I wrote this later. I, I wrote this at a later time, but I talked about the man in the moon being, he was, the man in the moon was predictable. He would have, we knew when he was going to come back. And, and, and when you enter the night air, he follows you. He shines down on you. He's following you. And if you look closely, you can see the lines, lines in his face. They're like an age that continue. You can see if you really pay attention. And every once in a while, he will hide behind a cloud or two, only to emerge as this bright light. And it, the story goes on and it asks questions about the moon. And so I always had that fascination with it. And I, I got that from my mom because I would uh, tell her these stories about the moon as we walked. And of course, when I had my children, I would do the same thing. And they wrote their own story about the moon. And I would just ask them questions and they wrote their own story. And it was, so that song is very, uh, I love that song, and it's one that um, every time I look up at the moon, I remember that song, and I remember walking with my mom, asking her all these questions. Where does he go? Why, why is the man on the moon? Because she calls him the man on the moon. You know, so that, that's why that song, uh, and I love it. And of course, you can tell I got this eclectic, a taste of music just by sharing it with my mom and listening to her albums. You were very close to your mom, right? We, you know, we, we weren't as, like close. Uh, we, we, um, my mom had, uh, she had a lot of uh, uh, mental health issues. Uh, I was more like a caregiver for her, even at a young age where I would bring things out that were, that were pleasing to her. Um, she was a very, um, um, uh, she was the provider. She was a single mother and she was a provider and she would fight for her children. She would do whatever she needed to do to feed and clothe and protect her children. And very admirable you know, with all her mental health issues, she was a great mother. She was the best mother she knew how to be. But were we close where we could, we were like soulmates and exchange things. No, we weren't, we didn't have that type of closeness. But we, we had that commitment to each other to always be there for each other. And we were. Yeah. Life is sometimes like that when children have to, you know, grow up. 
before the times or be caregivers for the parents. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the goal is to not be resentful. Yes. And there was, there was nothing that I resented for my, um, there were things initially that I resented my mom for later in life when I realized why it helped, it helped with the closure. It helped yeah. realize she was the best mother she could be and to admire her and 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 love and honor her for that yeah when you grow older you can be understanding and some children can be understanding and some children can carry that resentment for a very long time which is sad but uh, when you grow up you can understand you know that sometimes parents in worst of situations still do their best yes if you know that parents are the best that they know how to be yes. because they don't they don't come with a manual we don't That's come that, with a manual exactly what i said in my book right you don't have a manual to be the best wife the best mother the best daughter exactly right? and i love that part of the book because it, 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 it's it's exactly correct yes. and we don't get to pick but we can make the best of it yeah Wow. Okay, so we shall go to the next song, which is Do You Know the Way to San Jose? Do you know the way to San Jose? I've been away so long, I may go wrong and lose my way. Do you know the San Jose, I'm going back to find some peace of mind in San Jose. LA is a great big freeway. Put a hundred down and buy a car. In a week, maybe two, they'll make you a star. Weeks turn into years, how quick they pass. And all the stars that never were are parking cars and pumping gas. You can really breathe in San Jose. They've got a lot of space. There'll be a place where I can stay. I was born and raised in San Jose. I'm going back to find some peace of mind in San Jose. Fame and fortune is a magnet. It can pull you far away from home. With a dream in your heart, you're never alone. Dreams set into Without a friend, you pack your car and ride away. I've got lots of friends in San Jose. Do you know the way to San Jose? Oh, do you know 
Okay, so tell me about this song. Oh, that song. Well, we had moved back from, from Arkansas and my mom wanted to keep me busy. Again, you know, my brother and sister are now older. They still had those behavior issues and she needed to find something to keep me busy. And she, uh, we happened to be uh, at a park and there were these girls dancing to the song. They were doing a routine. So my mom was talking to the lady about this group. And I just went over and started learning the routine and started doing it. And so she was watching and I got invited to be a part of this drill team. And that was the first experience I had of learning a dance as a group and then performing in parades. And that was one of the songs that we did our routine to. So that was my first experience with dancing, um, learning dance, choreography, and then performing. And I just, I loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It helped my mom because she realized at that time that putting me in, in, anything artsy was going to be a good thing. That's where she started putting me in more things for dance and music so that I can, it kept me away from the home and allowed her to uh, take care of my brother and sister because they had a lot of needs. Yeah. So it's true that, you know, if you put the child into physical kind of artistic things where they, you know, are preoccupied and, you know, their attention is diverted. That's a good way to keep the child busy. And also it develops the child in whatever passion areas they might, you know, find. I think. Yes. That's. A good yes. One of the things I learned, you know, when I was coaching and, and a cheer and dance is um, I didn't have tryouts. So I would get uh, young ladies and I coached uh, eight to 10 year olds. And a lot of them didn't have agility. They didn't have, uh, a lot of them didn't have that coordination. So I would develop uh, training for them that they would because we did have competitions. We had cheer competitions and I wanted them to be able to experience that and have a good time. And one of the things that, um, groups like that do with it helps develop confidence, self-esteem, social skills. I had many girls that were bullies. And by the time they finished my program, they were not bullies anymore. I had children. I had one that was a special ed um, child. She had reading, reading and um, a language uh, um, needs. And so I knew her teacher and as I worked with her, she said, can you work with me extra? So I worked with her extra. And when we finally got to competition, when 
when the team placed, they actually placed and got an award. You thought they won the Olympics. They, they were just so happy. And the mothers were really grateful for that. Well, this little girl, um, apparently she had improved so much in her schoolwork that when I was on the, on the campus, her teacher came and said, what did you do to her? What did you do? I, I need to know. And I said, I don't know. What, you, what did I do? I don't know. She said, she has improved so much. Whatever you're doing, let me know so that I can help. And so I got to work with her teacher so that she could grow and build that self-confidence. She was a beautiful little girl. And I remember uh, visiting her teacher about 10 years ago. And her teacher put in front of me this beautiful Vogue magazine. And I said, oh, wow, why? This is a nice cover. You know, what a beautiful young lady. She goes, that's her. That's the little girl. And she had grown up into be a, a model, a beautiful model. And so when you hear stories like that, that even the bullies didn't bring her down, they didn't shake her confidence. That's a great, uh, I was happy to see that, that she did grow up to be, uh, she loved fashion. I remember she loved fashion. She loved uh, dressing up and that she did that was just amazing. I love stories like that. Yes, and when I counsel mental health workers to people who have, uh, you know, some challenges in their life, uh, like autoimmune diseases and all, and they become depressed or anxious, I've always found that this has worked with them. I always tell them to take out these huge coloring books and paint and sculpture. It keeps them, you know, focused. It's a physical activity, so it takes your mind off. And because you have to do a lot of detailing in that simple thing of coloring, they actually, you know, forget about that. The time goes and then they are out of that mental status. It has always worked with whoever it is that I have, it, who has come to it, me. I've told them, mm -hmm. just do this. Or if you're not in a position to do that, just go and do some physical activity. And that always works. Yeah. Okay. I agree. So the next song is Clarinet Polka. Thank <laughs> you. 
I just loved it. I, you know, even if somebody's got two left feet, but you feel like dancing, this is one of those classic examples. I just love the music. Yes, and and so I was in about fourth grade, and the music teacher came to my mom and said, "You need to put her in. You need to put her in um, music lessons." And so the first instrument I played was the clarinet. It was one of many. So my first woodwind was the B flat clarinet, and so that song I loved playing that song. And uh, I did very well in the clarinet. So my mom learned, again, the arts to keep me in the arts. That was where it was going to keep me busy. She was going to find ways to keep me in, invested in, in um, activities that were going to steer me in a good path. And she didn't, you know, and I was good in school. I had good grades. So she never had to worry about me. And because she spent so much time with my brother and sister, I was realizing I was raising myself. So I would steer toward these things that she would put me in and not realizing until later on that the, why she was doing that. And then I was grateful that I just stuck with it and just just stayed in wherever she put me because I had, it's kind of like you have to keep your place, be in place. You know, when a parent says stay here and yeah. some children don't, you know, and it just so happened she found a lane that I could stay in. And I loved playing the clarinets. I absolutely love it. Any other instruments that you have uh, played? Yes, I played uh, clarinet, saxophone, tenor and alto, uh, the flute, the guitar, and uh, some, some guitar and some piano. Wow, that's quite a bit. Yes. And knowing you, you would have excelled in it. Mostly would, I excelled in the woodwinds. Not not so much the strings, uh, but the woodwinds, yes. Well, to be able to play all those, it, uh, you know, not everybody can have those skill sets. So you have to have a passion for music, and, which I think you have abundantly. Oh, my mother, she did a good job at that, didn't she? Yeah. She started me out with Rosemary Clooney, that big band sound. <laughs> it absolutely steered me in that lane. She was able to keep me in there and uh, out of trouble. Okay, the next song is Time in a Bottle. The title itself is quite unique. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away, just to spend them with you. If I could make days last forever, 
if words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure and then again I would spend them with you but there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with If I had a box just for wishes and dreams that had never come true the box would be empty except for the memory of how they were answered by you but there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them I looked around enough to know love the words deep and profound yes i this was a time you know when you come into life where you're switching lanes you're switching you're at a crossroads and it's time to change your path you know up until my middle school years which is for us is a uh, sixth and seventh and eighth grade um you know we had moved around a lot my mom moved us around a lot i think i uh, and, and during my middle school years, we were stable. Now, I was, I was okay meeting all kinds of friends, all kinds of people, but there was not that consistency. You know, we'd move and, you know, we'd write letters maybe and stay in touch. But now we had stability and it's my middle school years. And I made a lot of friends. And in this middle school, it, it happened to be an area where the whole school splits into different high schools. So we came to this crossroad where we realized we are all gonna be separated. We all been so close for these three years and now we were gonna be separated. So this song, we would play this, um, you know, as we would barbecue or have outings, we would play this song because we knew we weren't gonna spend as many hours together as we had been and we were gonna go our separate ways. And here we are starting to make promises, you know, promise we'll stay in touch, promise we'll still, the, still do these things. And, and, you know, we were still young and we didn't know that there were gonna be more crossroads in our life that will lead us down different paths, maybe moves, um, maybe families that are in the middle of divorces that there were so many that we didn't anticipate because we were young and we didn't know, but we had the song to hold on to, to say, let's just remember, let's remember these times and let's try to hold on to them as, as long as we can. I think this one also I know too. It's 
I mean, I think most people would know the song, To Serve With Love. Yes, yes. This must be some favorite teacher. It is my favorite teacher, Mr. Duffy. Um, you know, I, Mr. Itari is the one that introduced me to the clarinet. Mr. Duffy is the one that introduced me to all the different possibilities in music. Uh, he put the bass guitar in my hands and let me play the bass guitar. It was bigger than I was. Uh, uh, he put the string instruments in my hands. He put the, uh, the brass instrument in my hands just to get familiar with them and to learn them. He uh, taught us classical music to learn the great classics and to listen we had to close our eyes and listen and he would ask us questions for tests about the song 
um, the different uh, different uh, terms, the different uh, instruments, just all around appreciation introduced us to the operas, the classics, and in the and singing. So when we finished middle school in appreciation for him, we sang the song to him and letting them know that we appreciated all that he taught us about music and the arts. So touching it must have been, and he must have felt so overwhelmed. It, it, it was, it was, you know, and uh, that, he, that he made a difference to all his music students. Uh, one of the best music teachers I have met. Yeah, and it is a wonderful tribute to any teacher, you know. Who... Yes. Okay, so the next song is 25 or 6 to 4. <laughs>
upbeat but different. <laughs> different new instrument. I'm now playing the saxophone. Okay. And I have a I have a new music teacher. His name is Mr. Cal Rush. And he puts I'm playing the clarinet and he I do very well in the instruments and he he recruits me for a pet band. So we have commercial orchestra, marching band, pet band, uh, jazz band, and he recruits me for all of them. Well, I'm not going to say no. So he puts the saxophone in my hands, and that is the song, one of the, one of the main songs that I loved playing. It just carried away, carried me away consistently. And he was, he was another great music teacher. He would actually, um, he gave me two weeks to, to learn the keys of the saxophone, just two weeks. Wow. And then I, I had to play that song. And um, uh, so I had to play that song. And he would, uh, he would do that to me. He put a trumpet in my hands and said, I want you to learn this uh, trumpet in two weeks and that didn't work because I just couldn't grasp you know the you know you have to do your lip a certain way and I just couldn't do it and he uh but he put the saxophone in my hands and and it worked and within two weeks I was playing the saxophone learning the music and now I was in a jazz band playing the saxophone uh, he taught us a lot big band, so we grew up playing a lot of big band, Tommy Dorsey, uh, Steve Miller band. I mean, all these songs that were um, that were known in the jazz world. We we played a lot of that, and he did that. Uh, we played. Um, well, he put the flute in my hands. I learned to play the flute. I played um, several songs with the flute, but I did not enjoy it, so I didn't have any concerts with the flute. But I did play a lot of concerts with the clarinet and the saxophone. And he was that kind of teacher where he just brought out your appreciation for music. And we were a great group of kids that we loved to experiment with the instruments and play around with the songs that he give, gave us. We were big practical jokers. We gave him a hard time. We, we, we loved him. He had his hands full with us, but we were a good group of kids and musicians that loved uh, playing with uh, for him and everything that he did, we appreciate it. A good teacher is who brings out the best in his students, you know, and does yes, that. and he did, he did that. Yeah. So the next song is Grandma's Feather Bed. Down to grandma's house every month in the snow. We'd have chicken pie and country ham, homemade butter on the bread. But the best darn thing about grandma's house was a great big feather bed. It was nine feet high and six feet wide, soft as a downy chick. It was made from the feathers of four eleven geese with a hole for the clock for the kick. It'd hold eight kids and four house dogs and a piggy bee stone from the shed. We didn't get much sleep, but we had a lot of fun on grandma's feather bed. After supper, we'd sit around the fire, the old folks would spit and chew. 
parties, talk about the farm and the war, and Granny sing a ballad or two. And I'd sit and listen and watch the fire till the cobwebs filled my head. Next thing I'd know, I'd wake up in the morning in the middle of the old feather bed. It was nine feet high and six feet wide, soft as a downy chick. It was made from the feathers of four eleven geese, took the whole world apart for a kick. Did hold eight kids and four hell dogs and a piggy we stole from the shed. We didn't get much sleep, but we had a lot of fun on Grandma's feather bed. Well, I love my ma, I love my pa, I love Granny and Grandpa too. I've been fishing with my uncle, I wrestled with my cousin, I even kissed Aunt Lou. Ooh, but if I ever had to make a choice, I guess it ought to be said. But I'd trade them all, plus a gal down the road for Grandma's feather bed. I'd trade them all, plus a gal down the road. It was nine feet high, six feet wide, soft as a downy chick. It was made from the feathers of four eleven geese, took a whole book of cloth for a pig. And it whole eight kids for four hound dogs and a piggy we stole from the shed. We didn't get much sleep, but we had a lot of fun on Grandma's feather bed. We didn't get much sleep, but we had a lot of fun on Grandma's feather bed. Lovely song. <laughs> <laughs> Very playful. I used to, whenever our friends were, would hang out, things would get a little bit serious. I would sing that song, just out of the blue, start singing that song. And they would, they would just laugh at me all the time because I would just come up with these songs and, and, and just uh, be off the wall songs sometimes. But that one would come up a lot so much that uh, I had to do a... Um, our music teacher required us to do a performance. And I was trying to pick a song and all my friends says, you've got to do grandma's feather bed and you've got to dress the part. So we dressed as farmers with instruments. Like we played, you know, a friend of ours, her brother played the guitar. We got a washboard. We got some cowbells and we were just making this obnoxious noise with these instruments and just sang this song just to lift everybody up. And that was that was my test. I had to come up with a, and do a performance and that was it. <laughs> and it was all because I used it to cheer people up. And I think the song is the perfect one to cheer people up. It was, and believe me, we dressed up. They, when they, we came out in costume, they were laughing at us because we, they just weren't expecting that. But we went all out and we did that song as a, it was part of our grade and we were just in high school. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, the next one is also a famous one, Morning Hymn.
Sound of Music. Yes. I love that musical. And I played the nun in the high school um, production of Sound of Music. And I sang the backup. I sang that song as the backup for that those scenes on the stage. Loved it. Loved every, um, every part of that production and having the opportunity to be in the sound of music now even though my singing isn't as great as my uh, my musicianship um i did have the opportunity later in life as an accountant you know accountants we people think it's boring and one of the one of the industries i worked in was the arts and i actually was a settlement accountant which means i paid the artists and uh when uh the Sound of Music came to our venue. I was, I'm actually in the playbill for that performance. So I have my high school program where I'm listed as a nun and in the playbill, I'm listed as the accountant. So I have the Broadway playbill where I'm actually in the Broadway playbill for Sound of Music and my high school uh, program. And so that just brings back memories. I love Broadway, everything Broadway I love. I loved working in the arts and uh, having that opportunity. Uh, it's, a, it's just great. It's great to see all that talent come together. And uh, yeah, so the sound of music, that reminded me uh, of the opportunity that I had to be in the sound of music and perform. Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, you could do multiple things at the same time and diverse. <laughs> uh, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, who would have thought that it would have worked out that way? I, I didn't know it would work out that way. I think that my mom introducing me into the arts at a very early age, I excelled in school. Uh, I did really well in school. And she didn't have to worry about me. But remember, you know, I raised myself. She didn't spend a lot of time with me. She just put me in things that would steer me in, in, in a good path so that I, she didn't have to keep looking over to see, you know, wh where was I? She kind of knew and that I was okay. You never can save what you will do or not do unless you try. Yes, there is no try. There is just do. Yes, That's what but I, would would still, say. I still will use the word try because that is what you do. You make your you attempt. You just do it. You just yes, do you it. Do it, but the 
the taking the step or the decision to do it is always that uh, word try. Anyway, we shall not go in there. We shall go to the <laughs> next song. The next one, Dan yes. Danny's song. People smile and tell me I'm the lucky one And we've just begun Think I'm gonna have a son He will be like shaking me as fears a dove Come see the love Sun is gonna shine above even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with money and everything will bring a change of love. And in the morning when I rise, you bring a tear of joy to my eyes and tell me everything's gonna be alright. Seems as though a month ago I was baby kind Never got high Oh, was a sorry guy But now I smile a face A girl that shares my name Yeah, now I'm through with the game This boy will never be the same
lovely song. Yes, that, uh, that was a song I actually performed on a stage as well. My brother had just gotten married. They had a son. His name was Danny. And so I sang this song for him and his family. And, and he was struggling. He, he had, um, you know, my mom, my brother, my sister had mental health and my younger brother had mental health issues and he was struggling. And uh, uh, we went out to dinner and I, the band was playing and uh, I just happened to mention what my favorite song was and that I wish I could sing it to my brother and they invited me upstage and I was able to sing it to my brother and my brother was just so, he was just so proud, you know, he was just really grateful for that. You know, he had just started his family, he had his son, his wife, and he was struggling. He was struggling to maintain his mental health. So anything that I could do to cheer him up, I would. We, we grew up, um, we were close, you know, even though he had his struggles, it didn't impact me. He didn't impact me as much. You know, when he had his um, behavior issues, my mom would separate us. But in times, you know, we connected. We we had that connection where we were close. We, you know, we connected at the souls, We in, in our thoughts. Um, he was six years older than I was. And um, so in when I was in, in elementary school, I did his high school homework. Well, I did his homework. And uh, when I got to high school, they had the same books. So I didn't have to study as hard. And I, uh, but I was close to the teachers. And we were talking one day and I shared with them that I was doing Danny's homework. And they all looked at me and they said, no wonder he got straight A's on his homework and F's on his tests. Now we know why. <laughs> yeah. So that was that song was to my brother. And you sang on the stage impromptu. That is, you know, incredible. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the next song is We Will Rock. <laughs> a big noise playing in the street gonna be a big man someday you got mud on your face you big disgrace kicking your can all over the place singing we will we A big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. We will, we will rock you. Sing it out. We will, we will rock you. Buddy, you're an old man, poor man, pleading with your eyes, gonna make you zombie someday. You got mud on your face. Big disgrace, somebody better put your bag into your place.
now times are changing. Yes, I can see that. Times are changing. You know that the time in a bottle was that that um, that song that represented these these crossroads that come and we have to make changes, right? And we will rock you. This is we're coming. Uh, this is the song that lifted us up. You know, I was the cheerleader always mm-hmm. for everybody. I was cheering them up. I was um, lifting up different songs. And here, this song comes along, and it really becomes an anthem for where we are in this new crossroads. Um, you know, I always had my friends were always older than I was. I always related to the older crowd. They were, they were graduating, they were moving on, they were having family, they were getting married, having families, going into the military. And uh, this song was kind of, when we came together, we would just realize that we all had strengths. This was our strength song. This is the one that we had to hold each other up with. And there was a sense of everybody, you know, you know, when they get to that age, you know, parents try to teach the kids about consequences and to make the right decisions. And there comes that age where we as children, we decide or we have it in our heads that we're invincible. Nothing can rock us. Nothing can can, uh, break, uh, impact our lives at all. We don't see consequences anymore. We're invincible. You know, if we're going to do daredevil acts, we're going to do it because nothing's going to happen and we don't think anything will. And when this song came out, there were a lot of, a lot of changes for everybody. I think I experienced uh, first losses of friends that were close to me. Um, and uh, it became an anthem, not only for that period, but it still is for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, in, in uh, 2009, when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was something that it, it's still there. It's still a song that comes out when I'm thinking about, um, you know, there's anything that impacts you, you have that, you know, whatever it's going to rock you, it's going to be there. But there's this fighting spirit that comes out of that song. And so I just, I, it's one of those songs that always there, it'll be there it, 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 as that anthem, you know, champion things that come, come through our lives. Uh, cancer was one of them. Uh, divorce was another uh, um, loss of loved ones is another one. And this song is about being champion to everything, you know, at the time that, you know, when I, um, uh, the song came out again, I'm, I'm delving into different parts of the arts, more dance, more playing of instrument, more singing. And, uh, we were at this crossroads again. And, you know, I'm cheering people on as they make these choices and I'm celebrating life with them, you know? And, and so that's what that song represents. Just, uh, just having that anthem song to bring you through life, no matter you what went, you go through. You went through mountains, I would say. You crossed those mountains, climbed those mountains. So did the divorce and the cancer happen at the same time? No, they did not. The divorce happened in, um, well, I moved to Florida in 2000. And the reason for the move was because I had to get away from abusive family and in-laws. And so I made the, the, I took, I moved by myself 
none of my family came with me. I planned it. You know, it's kind of one of those where, you know, if you're going to get out of domestic uh, problem relationship, you're going to, you're going to put miles apart. You're going to separate yourself with miles. And that's what I did. So the divorce came first, but what had happened was when I moved to Florida, I flourished. The first thing I did was went back to university and I thrived at university. So I completed, you know, I was studying in undergrad. I was studying business and legal studies was my undergrad. And then I did my master's in accounting. And what had happened was that created a lot of resentment for those that couldn't bring me down. They, mm-hmm. they weren't there. They couldn't do it. And when yes. I was, yes. And when I was in, you know, in California, they would do whatever they could to impact me that, that would keep me from hitting these goals. And they would continue to try to tell me that I couldn't do it, that I wasn't going to do it. Yes. And when I, and, and, and it was, it was an abusive cycle. It was psychologically and emotionally abusive And it became, you know, I knew I had to leave and I was grateful to have friends that encouraged me to leave. So I planned it out. I planned it out very carefully, um, very intentionally so that when I got to Florida, everything was taken care of. So I thought, I thought everything would work well. You know, my, my, my children were grown adults. They could make decisions for themselves. And I thought it wouldn't impact our relationship, but it did. Because I, they didn't want to leave the dependency of those that were mentally and psychologically abusive. So they were part of that. And so they were impacted. And then the, um, the cancer was um, about nine years. I, I had just finished my master's. I just graduated. I was excelling in the, in the corporate world uh, when I um, was diagnosed with, with this. And it's a rare form of cancer. It's not something that, you know, you, you just, you, you go through chemo radiation unless it gets to that point. Uh, the good part is they they caught it early. They were able to surgically remove it. Uh, but the diagnosis, the, the syndrome is still there. It lives within me. So we have to be very diligent and proactive if anything else um, develops. So I've had about seven surgeries to remove tumors. And they've all been uh, at early stages where I didn't have to do chemo or radiation therapy at all. Uh, just have a group of doctors that are very proactive, very diligent in making sure that I meet all these tests and and we can stay on top of it. And then I am mindful of what is going on so that when I'm not feeling well, I can tell them and they know what to do. Yeah, that's discerning. (laughs) It's, it's all being calm. You know, I, I have this, this, uh, you know, this faith in, in that everything's taken care of that I don't have to worry and I don't. And um, I am very much an advocate for my own health. And because of what I've learned, I'm very diligent in sharing that information to help others 
so that they can advocate for themselves. There are many things of this world that does harm to our bodies. And if we don't know what that is, we can't help our bodies heal. And that's where we have to learn. And it, it, it's so much easier when you do it like a village because you're all sharing and growing together and learning these different things and questioning it so that you can advocate on your behalf to your physicians and know when it is that, hey, I need to find a new doctor. Maybe this one isn't cutting it. And I did, I went through, when I first got diagnosed, I probably went through 13 doctors. Wow. And I, yes, I went through 13. I remember uh, for my oncologist, I finally just said, okay, the first oncologist that returns my phone call, that's going to be my doctor. And that's what happened. Um, it was a great choice. It worked out. Uh, so a couple of my doctors were well-renowned doctors that did my surgeries. They were well-renowned. I recovered very quickly. The surgeries were non-invasive. Um, the one that was the most, most lengthy, lengthy to recover from was the lung surgery. That was the most, most lengthy. But uh, because I was, um, you know, I didn't have family support. I was I was the one that was making the money and supporting the family. So I had to get back to work. There, I, had the, I had this feeling of obligation to take care of you know, my family. So I made sure that I talked to my doctors about getting back to work sooner so that I can um, make sure that I have health benefits, that they don't lapse so that I can stay on this healthy road. And my doctors were really good about it. They said, Jeanette, this is like, a, you have to not work for a month. And I, I had already gone months without working and, and I wasn't getting any pay. I was, I was pulling from my savings because um, the benefits where I worked were not good. So when I got sick, I didn't get sick pay or vacation pay. I wasn't getting paid. And so I had to pull from the savings in order to do that, to take care of myself. Or if my mom needed anything, you know, that I had that. So that was uh, part of it too. That was part of the catalyst for getting well as, you know, in all that as well. Um, I didn't think about, you know, what it what I didn't have any fear. I didn't have any fear, you know. My doctors were very open, direct with me. They answered all my questions. I did my research. I did my diligence. And as long as they were up, up front and forthright with me, I could make the decisions that I needed to do towards my health. You know, and the only thing is whenever you have anything like that, your body takes over. You have no control over your body. And that's what makes it difficult the doctors are telling you, you need to do this. I know I'm doing it, but it, my body's not cooperating. And that's what makes it very difficult. You know, so it, it is, a, it is a, a, um, a hit or miss, a trial and error. Everybody is different. We can't give each other the same advice because it may work or it may not. Because we have to find out, we have to be diligent to find out what it is that manipulates our body 
and gets it back in on that healthy track. And that's the science of it all. 100% true. And I so resonate with it. And I, on later on, I am going to take your advice on my health issues because I think that you are probably the most practical best doctor that I can talk to. Okay. So I'm just we will figure it advice. out. It takes a village. Let me tell you, it takes a village. No, no, I just and need was... Janet to pick on your uh, wealth of experience. I'm sure I will get the breakthrough that I'm looking for. And uh, you, I wanted to ask you, you have children, right? Yes. And none of them were with you when you were going through all this? No, they decided they didn't want to be part of it. So you not only had cancer, but you had to deal with such huge emotional issues. And I salute yes. you because it's the toughest thing to do when at that period of time, you don't have people around you who should be there. I mean, it's, yes. it's obligation is not, or duty is not one-sided. Yes, uh, I will tell you that the ones that were there for me were friends. Yes, exactly. They, That's what I say, that it's not yeah. when you're in trouble, it's not your so-called family friends. It could be random strangers, kindness that sees you through, not the you ones know, it, you expect. Yes, and I didn't have to ask them. Yeah, exactly. I did not, with, with my family, I, I didn't ask them. I said, okay, look, um, here's my diagnosis and here's what, it, here's what it's going to be like. And they said, okay, well, hey, good luck. And that's basically what they did. And, and uh, for me though, one of the things that I have to, you know, when I talk about my mom was the best she knew how to be. Um, during all this, these years, you know, my family had, they, they had mental health issues and I had come to terms with that. My children had mental health issues. I had them in, in counseling their whole lives because they had, uh, the mental health issues. Do I hold it against them for what they, how the decisions they made? No, they are only the best that they know how to be. And that's all I can do. I can only give them what, what they need to help themselves. And they were grown adults. So they weren't children. Um, uh, so that was the choices they made. Um, did it impact me? Yes. Did I have a, th a therapy to help me through it? Yes. Um, does it help? For the most part, yes. There is, um, um, but there is this connection with my children that will always be there. It's there. And if they ever decide to say, hey, you know, you were right because children do that. You know, they step away. And when they start having kids of their own, they realize, oh, you know what? You were right. And um, if that happens, I'm here. I don't hold grudges. We're only the best we know how to be in this world. And uh, because, uh, you know, because of my, my mom, my brothers and my sister and their mental health illness, my mom didn't get help for them she didn't get them help and it was very um it didn't work out it was very um they were self-destructive all of them 
all of them that my mom put me in into into all the arts to kind of gear, steer me away from that was probably a blessing in disguise but i do not hold grudges when i put my sons into therapy their whole lives i would i had to go through therapy too i had to learn to be a parent with children who had these mental mental health issues and what to do and how to do it and to discipline them and and set the boundaries for them and so i did that i did i did that and worked with the therapists so i worked with their schools and that's how we became an an education activist that's how i became knowledgeable in education and the needs of children with you know with special needs and how to advocate for a good education for them that's how i learned that because i went through that with my children you know having to sit in counseling with uh, teachers and their therapists because they were not behaving in school or they were disruptive um they were at risk and working through that and finally you know them saying hey you really you're really good at this can you meet with other parents and help them through this and and I did and so that's how I grew in that and I became an advocate at the city, county and state levels in in advocating for children with special needs behavior issues at risk and also working on legislation for those areas to help those children and families that were dealing with it to get them the resources they needed. Many times the parents would ask me, how did you know to get your kids in therapy? How did you know? because here they are dealing with their kids in, in teen years. And I had my children in therapy from early elementary age all the way through high school. And they just, how did you know? Well, you know, if you don't put the blinders on and, and you look for the signs, you know, just don't turn away from it or try to push it under the rug as if it doesn't exist. So that's that's how I got through it. That's what helped me get through that stage when they, you know, I had the cancer diagnosis and here it is, my friends are at my door saying, what do you need and when do you need it? And all I had to do was call them. Every trauma tragedy is a learning. And that's what sums it up. So awesome. So let's go to the next song, which is Memories of El Monte. I'm all alone, feeling so blue, thinking about you and the love we once knew. And each time I do, it brings.
great when they write a song about your hometown that you grew up in and that was song was written by Frank Zappa he's he's a well-known musician he wrote that song and it does it brings back memories of what we used to do in El Monte they used to have uh, uh, this um, venue called the Legion Stadium and they would hold concerts there they would do wrestling and roller derby and and it, it was this place that everybody went to. And then, they, and then of course, the dances. Uh, my high school was El Monte High School. It was, it's over 100 years old. Can you believe it? a school that old? And it has all these memories of, of just, and history. It's rich in history, this town. It was a transit town where people would just came and the farmer workers would come. And this is where they would live in, during the farming. So this just reminds me of all those memories past, all those dances, all those gathering with friends. You know, I talked about those songs that were, uh, that came out during our crossroads, but this is the one that pulls it all together. All those memories that we had, all the dances and the socials and, and the fun that we had. Yeah, memories are quite precious and they can uplift us, you know, many times. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we are now going to Don't Stop.
says it all. Don't <laughs> stop thinking about tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> and some tell us to be in the moment and not think about tomorrow at all. You know, if you are, um, you know, I, all the songs I shared are, are things that keep me moving forward. Yes. So I always think about tomorrow. What can I do tomorrow to lift everybody up? Where am I going to be? And don't let anything get me down. Just keep thinking about it because tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow. And the past is the past. And yeah, I'm very sentimental. I am very sentimental. I have a lot of, I can remember things from when I was two years old. That's how far back I can remember. Sentimental is nice because it means you have a heart. Yes, it means I you have a heart. I always say that uh, some people think sentimental, emotional. I would rather be emotional, sentimental than be a cold calculating person, right? So That's right. It's the way you look at it and uh, it's okay to cry. And only when you cry, you also appreciate the tears of joy. Tears are not always of sadness, but can be of joy too. And uh, these are all, you know, I think that we should appreciate them because it's a part of our human existence of, you know, appreciating things. Otherwise, what is there, right? If you were just a, yes. like a rock or a stone, they don't have yes. emotions, right? And you can use yes. the rock for multiple purposes. You can build and you can kill. So uh, if you don't have emotions, then I think we are devoid of uh, the softer sides of our character, of our, you know, soul. I mean, if you don't have emotions, I don't think you can have a soul. Of course, there are people who will say there's no such thing as soul. So we should not go in there. <laughs> yeah, I they, they do. They do. I had a conversation with someone about that earlier, and I just... They said, what do you think about that? And I said, that means they haven't experienced seeing anything on the spiritual level. You can't explain it. It's not tangible, but you've seen Absolutely. it and you've experienced it. Absolutely. I mean, we are talking of technology and computers, but look, our brain is one of the, is like a computer and you can't really always put things like you can probably you can have a laptop and you can, if something goes wrong, you know what to do with it. But with the brain, you don't know what comes in, what stays, what goes and how it functions. It's something, you know, which is working all the time. And evolution is about mm -hmm. how you think about your mindsets, which keep changing, right? Yes. A, a computer is not going to change of what it has already been built in. Yes, you can have an upgrade to a newer version and model. That's different. But the human brain is something which is constantly evolving and you constantly evolve as a person. And you, there is a something called soul. It's like the intangible part of, the, of your heart and brain. Heart and brains are the, what should I say? The formal organs, right? But what do you associate with the human sentiments? And I keep quiet. I don't say anything, but if people want to say there's no such thing as human sentiments and all that, some people do say that, then it's no use arguing, right? You can't change. No, they haven't experienced that, that, that spiritual, it's a spiritual thing and they haven't experienced it. And you kind of like, wow, why, why haven't no, no, they it, not experienced No, even it? if you have not experienced something, I'm, I would like to ask a basic question as a child, like, for example, you know it, right? As a child. 
I'm asking the world, why does a child smile? How do you explain the smile of a child? Can you explain the smile of a child? What made the child smile? And it could be something so innocuous or something, you don't know, maybe just a butterfly flitting around, the child could smile at something they saw. But how do you interpret it and put it into definitions and brackets and classifications is sometimes going a bit too far. Anyway, I always believe in thinking out of the box. I live out of the box and I always say, I don't care what people try to define me. That's one thing I do follow. Don't yes. let people define you. Be and that's why, we have the, that's why we have the discussions that we do that could go on and on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we shall go to the next song, which is Last Dance.
I love that song. (laughs) I really appreciate Donna Summer and her talent. She was just such a talent in bringing a song like that. You know, um, when, when you come together, don't treat it like the last dance. But that song is, it has such an upbeat, fun beat. You know, you know, they have that, that term dance, like nobody's watching. Just treat it as that, you know, let's, uh, let's go through this like dancing together and dancing means living together and appreciating, appreciating each other and holding each other up, lifting each other up. That's what it is. Call me a, a romantic, call me whatever, but I, I see great things in people and that kind of song just allows me to say, let's just have fun. Let's do this. I like the romantic part. <laughs> I like <laughs> the sentimental part. And that's what differentiates us in humans, you know, who have a heart and soul. And so I appreciate that. That September day Were you in the yard With your wife and children Working on some stage in LA Did you stand there in shock At the sight of that black smoke Rising against that blue sky Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor Or did you just sit down and cry Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones? Pray for the ones who don't know. Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sobbed for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they knew? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer? And look at yourself and what really matters. I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God and I remember. September day Teaching a class Full of innocent children Or driving down Some cold interstate Did you feel Guilty cause you're a survivor In a crowded room Did you feel alone Did you call up Your mother and tell her You loved her Did you dust off that Bible at home Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages? Speak to some stranger on the street. Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow? 
I just love this song. I yes, just love it's... the words. Yes, no, and it is so true. I mean, do we really ponder on things, you know? I mean, so everything was captured there, you know? And uh, so many things happen and we just don't even think about it. And if we do talk about it, it's momentarily like in a drawing room conversation or, you know, as he said, CNN, you watch CNN, just you're watching something and then you let it go. We don't dwell on it and we don't feel. I know that when, when I hear people, you know, don't have money or are hungry, sometimes I get people who tell me that. And I think, Janet, you will know, I really, that day I cannot eat my food. I mean, I'm grateful, but somehow my appetite just goes when I think that somebody out there is not being able to find means to eat the meals. Yes, and I, I just, the lyrics in it that stood out was faith, hope, and love are some of yes. the good things he gave us and the greatest is love. You know, this song was written after the attack on 9-11 where we realized our security was breached and we were never going to be the same again. It would be our security was always going to be heightened or lessened and we were it just our travel was never the same. Our liberties were tightened. And but the but the biggest thing I get out of this song is that the world comes together in love when bad things happen. And I remember meeting a Reverend Desmond Tutu and there had been a, a earthquake in Peru. And one of the students 
family was there. And he says, why does God let bad things happen? And Desmond Tutu says, it's not about the bad things that's happened. It's about the goodness of the people that come together when bad things happen. That's what you need to focus on. You need to give to each other. You need to be there for each other. And that's what, what it's about. Our stories are written there. We don't have control of our story, our life story. Make a difference. He gave us faith, hope, and love. And use that and go forward. And that song continually reminds us of that, of where we need to go and where, what we need to become and be all the time for each other. Yeah. With that, we come to the last song, For Good. Look at me. I'm limited. And just look at you. You can do all I couldn't do.
Wonderful. So and we come. Yes, I sang that song when I spread my mom's ashes. It was, uh, um, you know, like I said earlier, we weren't connected spiritually. We didn't have that soul connection. But I knew, you know, I raised myself, and she created this path for me to go on that I can look at and look towards and the last uh, a few days before she passed away um she said i'm sorry I, I wasn't there to raise you and we reminisced so much about what her life was and i remember her telling me you're the only one that sat and asked me about my life story you're probably the only one that knows my life story. And I do. And I did sit with my mother and I listened to her and I would ask her, you know, whenever she put me some, hey mom, did you have, did you do this when you were a little girl? She said, no, that's not what I did. I didn't get to be a little girl. And I got to hear her story, her hard life, her, her bumps in the road. And I got to see her heartache. And even though she didn't raise me, this song reminded me of her. And I said, because I knew you. This is, I am who I am because of you. And uh, during this time when she passed away, um, you know, I didn't grow up knowing my father. I met my father when I graduated from high school. And it just so happens that during this time, I was flying to Washington State because my my father was 
uh, transitioning. Uh, my brother had just had brain surgery. He was having complications from brain surgery and my mom wasn't doing well. So I was flying from, from Florida to Washington, back to Florida, to California, back to Florida, trying to maintain my job because I took care of my family and I had to work. And getting to spend time with my dad and hearing the last things in his life and him telling me, I know I didn't raise you. You did a good job. I couldn't be prouder. And then he was gone. And then my 10 days later, my mom was gone. And there was my brother dealing with his complications from brain surgery and being there for him through the many years. And then he was gone. You know, and then my older son was gone, and then my sister was gone all in the last five years. And, and though they all had their mental health issues, I didn't blame them, and they never blamed me. And I know that people, they ask me, hey, Jeanette, why don't you talk to cancer patients? And I say it's difficult because they went through chemo and radiation, or they lost the loved ones. And I, I, I didn't go through that. And there's that resentment. Why, why, did, why did my family have to go through this? And so this song just reminds me of everybody that comes, we, we make a difference to each other. Our lives are impacted, good or bad, they're impacted and we are changed. Let's just make sure we do it for the better. No matter what we do, let's change each other for the better. And every time we have one of those successes, we can say, it's because I knew you. Well, Janet, I would like to say my perspective on this, that is you are incredible because you are a living example of what I would quote as being there always. In your entire story, I can say that for all the people that you were there, they were never there for you, yet you were always there for them. And that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of big heartedness and of that's who you are, of course, but you could have turned the other way too. That's a choice that you made somewhere, which is in you to make certain choices. And that is, not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody do, does respond in the same way to life-altering moments. And so I think that your story is so powerful because of who you are, uh, despite everything, in spite of everything. And you were always there. You were always there for everybody who was not there for you. And that is something really remarkable. Uh, I would like to end the show by saying that, you know, it was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Whenever I have a conversation with you, I think time can fly by. It's like, you know, when two friends just sit up the whole night long and they can talk and talk till they fall asleep. It's something like that with you. And um, I know that I deeply connect with you because of how you think, how you do 
and uh, there is that connection with you. It's not every connection is not made that way, and so it's truly precious for me. And uh, thank you for coming out and hanging out with me on this podcast. And we shall see you next time. Your playlist was amazing, very enjoyable. And I hope the audience also enjoyed it as much as I did. And with that, we shall see you next time. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.